0: keep looking for something, even though I know that it's not there. Every time I try to figure it out, you're the only thing I can think about. I try my best to sleep in, but my dreams are not appealing. So I search for people in the landscape. by. I keep looking for something, even though I know that it's not there. Every time I try to figure it out, you're the only thing I can think about.
1: All right. <laughs> I hope you like that. That was cool, right? Uh so um I really love that song. Um but you know, I was like kind of listening to the lyrics a little bit of that song, a little bit carefully. And some of the lyrics on there were uh, really interesting. Okay. Uh, now uh, I did some background on this song and uh, she wrote this song originally, uh, f- like a couple lines of the song for her uh, ex-girlfriend. And um, it kind of evolved into something else entirely. Right. And she kind of admitted this, right. And she said it kind of turned into this like existential kind of almost theological song, right? Um, now, there's a couple lines in there that are really interesting that I wanted to point out. Uh, the chorus of the song goes, I keep looking for something even though I know it's not there. Maybe you're the reason, right? Every time I try to figure it out, you're the only thing I can think about. Maybe you're the reason. And then the, uh, the bridge of the song goes, I turned my gaze to the ceiling, thanked a God I don't believe in, for the scene outside. I tried my best at sleeping, but my dreams are unappealing. So I search for people in the landscape, passers-by. Now, the singer, her name is Amber Bain, and she is admittedly an atheist, right? But she's singing about this kind of nagging sense that there is this presence, um, something or someone that's always been with her that she hadn't acknowledged in the past, right? And whether you consider yourself to be a Christian or a deist or a follower of God or not, I think everyone senses that there is this like spirit or presence that is with us, right? And it's a very gentle, um, kind of soft, uh, invisible presence, but that we can't really uh ignore right that we can't really deny and that this is kind of why I was thinking about this theme of the Trinity like you know the you know like as I mentioned before, God the Father is in the form of uh, we acknowledge God the Father as um, kind of this male patriarchal figure and Jesus Christ is the son is came to this earth in the form of man right. Uh, But the Holy Spirit, uh, we're not really sure, right? And because God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son are both attributed as men, we kind of naturally attribute the Holy Spirit as a man as well. But why should the male pronoun have a monopoly on the Trinity? You know, why should the male pronoun have a monopoly on the Trinity? In fact, it would make more sense if the Holy Spirit were to be seen as a woman or more accurately as a mother, right? And then you could kind of see the Holy Trinity as uh, a holy family. God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, Holy Spirit the Mother. God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and Holy Spirit the Mother. All right, so I started looking at the, the very notion of the Holy Trinity, right, which is in uh, Genesis 1, okay, Genesis 1. Now, Trinity at creation, all right, uh, Trinity is actually seen in the creation account, okay, whether you take the creation account literally or not, all right, uh, from the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1, starting with the first three verses, you could see the presence of the Trinity existing in the creation account, all right? In Genesis 1-1, all right, um, maybe it's a familiar verse to many of you, okay? It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, okay? God created the heavens and the earth. The word God in verse one is masculine, okay? And that's kind of uh, attributing that to God the Father, right? And verse two says, the spirit of God hovered over the waters. Okay, that's Genesis 1 verse 2. It says the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. So that's really talking about the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, and verse 3 talks about the very first thing that God introduced to the universe, which was light, okay? God created light, right? And that is uh, the Jesus Christ. Okay. That is like, that's supposed to symbolize Jesus Christ. Okay. So in the first three verses of the Bible, right? The first three verses of the first book of the first chapter of the Bible, we see the Holy Trinity. Right. And, but when we, when you look at that word uh, for spirit of God hovering over the waters, right? The word for spirit in Hebrew, which is what the old Testament was written in is ruach. All right, that's the word for spirit or spirit of God, ruach. And that word is a feminine word. All right? The word for God representing God the Father is a masculine word, and the word for light in verse 3, which kind of represents Jesus Christ, is also a masculine word, but the word for spirit which is ruach is a feminine word. And I don't think that's an accident, all right? And so ruach is 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 portrayed having this like feminine characteristic or feminine quality. Fast forward thousands of years later. Okay. um, And we see the word for spirit or wind or breath, which is all the same word in Hebrew. Okay. Ruach means spirit, wind, or breath. We see the same word that's in the Greek language in the new Testament as pneuma. right? Pneuma. And Pneuma, interestingly, is uh, not a masculine word, but it's not a feminine word either. It's a gender neutral word, right? And that's kind of like a restriction of the Greek language. And that's kind of um, uh, the language that the Bible had to uh, contextualize because most of the known world used or was uh, at least familiar with Greek, right? So they had to use Greek in order to have it written down. Right. But I think the more interesting word and probably the more relevant and significant language in this whole situation is Hebrew. And the fact that the word Hebrew word for spirit is ruach and it's a feminine word is very, very interesting. And I don't think that's by accident. Right. Now, why is spirit written as a feminine word. Okay. And I don't think it's only because uh, that just happened. It was, it's not by accident. Okay. And I think this is very, very deliberate. Okay. And I think it's because we, as the people of God, are supposed to view the Holy Spirit as a mother. All right. We're supposed to view the Holy Spirit as a mother. Okay, I'm going to share my screen with you so you could see the slides for today. All right. Mother Spirit. Now, The Jewish proverb uh, says this, okay? There's a famous Jewish proverb that says this. A mother understands what a child does not say. A mother understands what a child does not say. And how does the Holy Spirit resemble a mother? Well, the first reason is because of this. The Holy Spirit knows her children better than anyone okay the Holy Spirit knows her children better than anyone moms have eyes in the back of their heads okay I'm sure many of you have like heard that before all right Uh, in in some weird way okay I don't want to blaspheme or say anything heretical but in many ways I think that moms at least within their own family are kind of omniscient Okay right. there are things that my wife knows about my children uh that is just kind of creepy, like how in the world <laughs> does she know that about our kids okay and I remember um when my brother and i my little brother and I were little kids uh and you, when we used to watch a lot of t v and the one thing that my mom always nagged me about was to not watch the t v so close to the screen, okay, which my brother and I used to do like constantly, right. And there were even times where she would be yelling at us from the other room to back away from the TV, even if she can't see us, just because she knows, or she senses (laughs) that um, we're doing this, right? And so uh, mothers know their children better than anyone, all right? Mothers know their children better than anyone. And there are several passages in the Old Testament that kind of uh, reflect this, okay? There's also this passage in um, the book of Isaiah, chapter 49, verse 14. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet God, Holy Spirit, will not forget you. The Holy Spirit knows her children better than anyone. And the other reason why the Holy Spirit uh, is is should be seen as a mother is because the holy spirit loves her children like a mother the holy spirit loves her children like a mother mothers connect with their children in a way that only mothers can oftentimes throughout the bible in particular the old testament god is identified as a mother to the people of god okay in deuteronomy Uh, Chapter 32, verse 18, it says this. You were unmindful of the rock that bore you. Okay, the rock um, is capitalized, uh, capital R. And you forgot the God who gave you birth. You forgot the God who gave you birth, all right? And in Isaiah chapter 42, verses 14 and 15, God said to the Israelites, for a long time I have held my peace. I have kept still and restrained myself. Now I will cry out like a woman in labor. I will gasp and pant. I will lay waste mountains and hills and dry up all the vegetation. I will turn the rivers into islands and dry up the pools. In Isaiah chapter 42, uh, God identifies as a pregnant woman, right? God identifies as a pregnant woman. Now growing up in church, I didn't really hear a lot of, passages like this that reflect God's mother-like qualities, okay? And I think it's because we, the modern church especially, has been so accustomed to viewing God as a man, right? And to see God for anything otherwise is almost, was almost considered to be blasphemous. But we see time and time again that God is represented as a mother, right? Right. In particular, it's the Holy Spirit, okay? It's the Holy Spirit that's attributed to these like mother, uh, mother-like qualities, all right? And again, the word ruach, ruach is such an important word in um, Old Testament Jewish and Christian theology, okay? Wind, breath, spirit, that's ruach. The thing that gave human beings life, okay? The thing that made human beings unique from all other creatures, from plants, from animals, from the rest of creation, is the fact that God breathed into humanity. God gave his spirit, his Ruach to men and women. So there is something within every human being, okay, uh, that signifies this intimate connection to god through the holy spirit okay and there are many passages and i'm I'm just mentioning a few okay i'm kind of jumping around a little bit today but i'm just mentioning a few passages that attribute god to these like mother-like qualities i can remember when um my wife becky was pregnant with both of our kids uh, there was a small part of me, just a, a little part of me that was uh, a bit jealous of my wife being pregnant. I you know that that might sound kind of weird, but it's because, uh, you know, for those nine months, the mother, uh, she literally uh, feeds them, she carries them and shelters them for these nine months, right? And she had the mother has this like intimate connection with the child that a father just will never be able to understand, right? And uh, even before uh, we know what the child looks like, even before maybe the child, we even give the child a name, um, oftentimes even before we know the gender of the child, uh, the mother has this like intimate connection with the child that just the father will never know, right? And so a part of me was kind of like jealous, like, oh, I kind of wish (laughs) I kind of had that connection with my kids. And then, um, you know, nine months later, she gave birth and I was like, nope. (laughs) I'm glad I'm not the one doing that. But uh, I I, I do, a part of me does envy that intimate connection that the mother has with the child that a father just will never know, you know? And so uh, God, the Holy Spirit, it attributes that kind of connection to their, uh, god's children in that same way like the mother knows and loves the child so intimately like a mother does okay that the holy Spirit loves her children so intimately like a mother does another passage in Isaiah that attributes god uh, to god's love to the love of a mother is isaiah 66. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. Yet again, in Psalm 131, God says this. Oh, uh, no, sorry. This is a, a King David who who is writing or saying this prayer to God. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. You know, interestingly, um, God could have called himself or herself uh, many things. God could have called himself or herself master, general, boss, but instead he uses these like familial names. Uh, to describe the Trinity, God, the father, Jesus Christ, the son. The most logical uh, next step in uh, interpreting the Trinity is to understand the Holy Spirit as mother, God, the father, Holy Spirit as mother, Jesus Christ, the son. And lastly, the Holy Spirit intercedes for her children just like a mother does. The Holy Spirit intercedes for her children just like a mother. Like a like a protective mama bear, the Holy Spirit intercedes for her children. It says in Romans chapter 8 that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with words with groaning that that cannot be understood, right? The Holy Spirit in many ways is like a mediator between us and God. I don't know if uh, any of you, um, now by no means are our, our earthly mothers perfect, okay? Uh, I, God knows my earthly mother is not perfect. But there are times where my uh, earthly mom has interceded on my behalf, right? Uh, maybe when um, I got in trouble at school and my mom had to come pick me up and you know I'm, I'm about to get in trouble, my mom is like fighting on my behalf, right, not to like suspend me or to like uh, get me in too much trouble. Or maybe if I'm uh, having a big fight with my little brother, right, my mom is the one who comes in between us and tries to be the peacemaker, right, and so that we don't fight anymore, right. The mother intercedes in so many ways, in in ways that we know and ways that we don't know, right? In ways that we um, acknowledge and ways that we don't acknowledge. There is this one verse that I discovered recently in the book of Hosea, okay, which is not an often quoted verse or or book. Hosea chapter 13, verse eight, that says this. Like a bear rod of her cubs, I will attack them and rip them open. (laughs) Like a lion, I will devour them. A wild animal, like a wild animal, I will tear them apart. (laughs) Like a mama bear robbed of her cubs. Wow. God is a mama bear. God is this protective, fierce, and territorial loving mama bear. Right, and this is the imagery that we get of God in the Old Testament, and this is the kind of interceding that the Holy Spirit does for us. And yes, the Holy Spirit is gentle and, um, you know, not aggressive and often whispers to us and is, um, not forceful, okay, but in other ways. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us and fights for us in ways that we, we, we probably will never know, you know, un, until we are confronted and, and encounter God face to face, right? Jesus Christ, uh, as he was nearing the end of his earthly ministry, he started introducing his followers, his disciples to the Holy Spirit. And telling his followers that once he leaves, there is someone else who will come to take his place, right? And uh, he often gave the Holy Spirit different names, right? He called uh, the Holy Spirit helper or the spirit of truth, right? Uh, Or uh, the original or another word that Jesus used is the word paraclete. All right. Paraclete. All right. And this is a Greek word. It's not an English word. But the, the reason why I say the word paraclete is because this could be interpreted in many different ways. OK. It can be interpreted as helper, as advocate, as lawyer. OK. In the courts, in the Roman courts uh, in the first century, the paraclete was a lawyer or a mediator. Right. But quite literally, the word paraclete means the one who comes alongside Right? The one who comes alongside. And this word is often very familiar. It's it's very similar to the word encourager, which is parakaleo, All right. Periclete, parakaleo, Okay. And an encourager is someone who, who pushes someone towards their calling. All right. It's not an encourager is not simply someone who says nice things. Okay. That's often what we think about when we think of someone who is good at is good at encouraging. An encourager is someone who pushes someone else towards their true calling. An encourager is almost like a coach who is pushing you forward, right? Who is pushing you harder than you think you can go, right? And like uh, trying to stretch you and, 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 and strengthen you and keep pressing you on, right? This is the Holy Spirit. In many ways that a mother sees these wonderful qualities in... Uh, her child this is what the holy spirit does for us okay not only does the holy spirit intercede for us but the holy spirit pushes us to be the people that god created us to be to live out our true calling so we see in so many ways that the holy spirit is so invaluable in our faith and our spiritual walk and, and in ways that maybe some people don't even acknowledge right that the Holy Spirit is present, the Holy Spirit knows her children, the Holy Spirit loves her children, and the Holy Spirit intercedes for her children quite regularly. So uh, oftentimes uh, for our church gatherings, I will uh, leave us with a challenge of the week, but today I wanna to leave us with a reflection of the week. How can we listen better or how can we pay more attention to the Holy Spirit? How can we listen or pay attention or acknowledge more the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Especially viewing the Holy Spirit as our heavenly mother. There's God the Father, Holy Spirit the Mother and Jesus Christ the Son. I think it was uh, in 2007, a controversial book came out called The Shack, right? And in The Shack, um, I don't want to give too much away just in case some of you are planning on reading it 13 years later, but uh, it was controversial because the Trinity was not portrayed uh, as uh, the Trinity is typically portrayed by uh, white men. So the Trinity is often portrayed as Three white men. <laughs> uh, instead, God the Father was portrayed as uh, an African American woman, and Jesus Christ was portrayed as a Jewish man, as as uh, one might expect, and the Holy Spirit was portrayed as an Asian uh, woman, as an Asian American woman, I guess for for us because uh, she was speaking English in the book, um, and so and then ten years after, um, they made a movie based on the book, all right, uh, called The Shack. And there's this, um, and it's really underrated, okay? It got terrible reviews on Rotten Tomatoes because Rotten Tomatoes hates religious movies. But I I really enjoyed this movie and I think it's underrated. And there's this beautiful scene where the main character of the book, the protagonist, um, he is interacting with the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to leave us with that scene today.
2: For the way out. If you're looking for your truck, it's up that way. Just beyond the trees. You might need these, though. Thanks. Just to be clear, we're not justifying anything. We'd like to heal it, if you'd let us. Before you go, there's something in the garden I was hoping you could help me with. For tomorrow's celebration.
0: A celebration?
2: If you want to know, i will stick
0: around. This is wild.
2: <laughs> that isn't the word in your head.
0: Okay, this is a mess. It is, isn't it? So
2: beautiful. There's something very special I want to play. Pa the ground. You have to dig up all the roots or they'll return farms in the growth.
0: this is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. You can start over there. Okay? if it's poisonous
2: you're presuming that poison is bad on its own the sap from this twig would kill you but combine it with the nectar from this flower suddenly it contains incredible healing properties Let me ask you, how confident are you in your ability to discern good from evil? Usually pretty obvious. And your basis for something being good is what? What
0: well, if it helps me? Or the people that I love? And evil? It's harmful but it's someone I care about.
2: So, pretty much you are the judge.
0: Yeah, I guess. Have
2: you ever been wrong? Or changed your opinion over time? Sure. And there are billions like you. Each determining one you think is good and evil, and when your good clashes with your neighbor's evil, arguments ensue, wars break out, because all insist on playing God, you weren't meant to do any of that, all on your own. This was always meant to be a conversation between friends. What do you think?
0: It's still a mess.
2: Yes, it is, Mac. Wild, wonderful, and perfectly in process. This mess is
0: you.
1: Let's close in prayer. Holy Spirit. You know us. You love us. And you intercede for us in ways that we can't even imagine. Lord, when one person loses his life, when someone like Ahmad Arbury loses his life, Holy Spirit, you intercede for us and you groan and you mourn that loss more than we could ever imagine. Lord, we go about our lives every day often not acknowledging that the Holy Spirit is even there. Lord, help us to pay attention to her, listen to her, and have a conversation with her throughout our days. Lord, as we sang earlier, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, not just in our homes where many of us are, confined and live in day in and day out for the past few months but lord in our hearts holy spirit we welcome you here and we pay attention to you and we listen to you in the name of the father son and holy spirit we pray amen